Welcome to Conversations with a Trailing Partner. I'm Marvish. In the first few episodes, while understanding the term trailing partner, speaking to my guests and hearing their journey, there was a consistent theme. All of them formally worked, uh, but then currently none of them were working. I was in a similar situation and I associated being a trailing partner with being out of work, um, with being someone who was financially dependent on their partner. But it turns out that's not necessarily true. My guest today arrived in Sujo with a partner, but was able to negotiate employment before she arrived. Interestingly, she still identifies as a trailing partner. To find out why she feels that, uh, how her journey and her challenges have been different to non-working trailing partners, let's speak to Jenny Michael. Jenny, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, and I think this one's going to be really interesting because so far, um, the women I've spoken to have, um, they don't actually have a career at the moment. Um, either they've temporarily stopped or they've permanently stopped, um, but they're not working. But you're obviously in a different situation. So it would be really, really interesting if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, um, a bit about your background. Sure. Well, hi, Mavish. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Jenny Michael, and I'm from the United States, California, to be specific. We mm-hmm. moved here in 2011, uh, yeah. primarily because my husband got an opportunity to run a factory here in China. And after discussing it, uh, we thought it was a good idea to come to China and also give our kids an opportunity to explore part of my culture that both myself and my children hasn't experienced in the past because I grew up in the United States basically all my life. Um, So we came and at that time, uh, when we decided to come, I explored the opportunity of of getting a uh, having a career in Suzhou in China. And it just so happened that the company I work for in the U.S. had a factory here, so it was okay. so it benefited me um, at this at that time to also come um, and continue my career. So we were both we were fortunate to come with two jobs. Uh, yeah. And now since then we've been in China for about ten years, and mm-hmm. looks like we'll be here for a few more. We don't have a solid deadline as to when we're mm-hmm. going home. Um, so at this time, uh, we are going to still reside here for for indefinitely. Yeah. Wow. That's 10 years, a very long time. Uh, you've probably seen um, Sujo develop quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. When we first came, um, the farmlands has been already already pretty much been been uh, built up to some industrial form. But over the past 10 years, um, a lot more has developed and a lot more Western businesses as well as um, uh, restaurants and, and facilities have, has risen up over the 10 years. So it's definitely a lot more convenient and modern than it was 10 years yeah. ago. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that sort of like the heyday of uh, foreigners living in Sujo is sort of behind us that there are fewer foreigners coming here, there are fewer opportunities. Um, It's not as, um, it's not as exciting as it used to be anymore. Is that, would you, would you think that's right? Um, I would say so. Um, I didn't 
get a, uh, consent, uh, a census of, of what was the population like of expats back then. But based yeah. on what I've seen in the people um, that have left, then yes, yes, it has definitely uh, decreased as far as expats here in, in Suzhou, for sure. And yeah. it's definitely not as exciting as far as the social life as it once was. A lot of our oh. friends started leaving, I would say, about five years ago. And that's where a ma mass exit uh, happened, in my opinion, it was about five years ago. And wow. as far as people coming, it's definitely not as, as many. Big companies like Cat, uh, Dow, Dow Corning back then, um, they had expats here, but a lot of them have left now, so. Oh, and so, so then you think it's, it's purely like um, economically motivated. It's not like the people are less welcoming or. Um... I think that it's two things. I think that expats are expensive. So uh, yeah. from a cost perspective, uh, it is very expensive. Having expat here with family, the salary is probably not the majority of the cost. It's really the housing and the tuition of the children in an expat yeah. package that is actually mm -hmm. more substantial than the, the basic salary uh, to a company. So, and then as the local talents continue to develop, I think that they're looking at relying more on the local capability than the Westerners or the expats. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Um, right. So, so, so like, I mean, like, like socially, you don't think there's any sort of things where, I don't know, um, that people are becoming um, not averse, but less open to, to sort of foreigners being here. There's obviously more um, logistical and uh, practical implications. Yes, I think it's much more just uh, financial, more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think that people of the locals are less welcoming. I don't think that. I think it's really, it's a business decision. Yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway, sorry. Coming back to sort of what we were uh, what we were going to talk about. So um, the podcast obviously focuses on trailing partners, and um, I think I started this uh, with with the view that um, I felt that people had a lot of exciting stories. Um, there were there were lots of dimensions to people's personalities, like who who I came across. That I felt that when you say trailing partner, it's viewed as sort of a very one dimensional thing, a stay at home um, person, either a parent. Um, who's not really doing very much with their life. But obviously that's not been the case. But tell me this, since you said that you came here and you came here with a job, would you still consider yourself a trailing partner? Yes, I actually do. Um, when, I, when we decided to come, there was not a guarantee that I would be coming with a job. Uh, the decision was made to come first. So my intention back then was to come in hopes of finding a job later on. The fact that I had a job at the same time of arriving, that is more of a bonus. Uh, since right. then, since then, um, I've stayed with two companies over the mm -hmm. course of nine years. I did take one year off um, between companies as I was yeah. looking for a new job. The, the, the challenge of finding a job here in, in, in Suzhou with the limited um, companies and the limited positions 
it is much more challenging than than I think people give it credit for, uh, because most companies do not want to hire expats, even if they, even if you are a local hire, you tend to be a, still more costly uh, than than a local hire, especially at a, a management level or above position. The expectation right. would be that you would be taking on some similar salary um, or position here. Yeah. So, and, but the opportunity is, is more limited. So it is much more, and you have to have a visa. So for companies to invest in a time yeah. to a visa, a work visa, uh, sign a contract, and be willing to pay an expat salary, um, it, is, it is more limiting in that way. As far as me working over the course of 10 years, I do feel I am a trailing spouse. I, I do believe that if I was back home, my opportunity to grow my career is, is it's wider. Um, it's more, it's unlimited in comparison yeah. to being in Suzhou, more than, more so here than if you were back home, so. And, and and do you think that has to do with um, the the city we're in? Uh, because I think anytime you speak to anyone about China, I guess the impression is that it's uh, it's a booming economy, that there's progress at the speed of light, um, there's startups literally sprouting up everywhere. And therefore, I think the impression is that there's probably um, lots of jobs, um, that there's lots of opportunities. So would you would you say that Sujo, or is that perhaps um, the sorts of opportunities that you would seek out? I would say that it depends. You have to think about yes, the economy is booming, but how much of it is local business booming versus Western import export company booming? And do they yeah. need people with local language, or are they looking for people with international experience for their company? So mm. I think it, I highly depend on. The classification of booming, you know, if you're talking yeah. about construction and you're talking about middle income, um, and you're talking about maybe the tourism versus, um, you know, I would say businesses like the uh, Fortune 500s, who mm-hmm. does a lot of business with uh, global business. I think you have to understand the difference between those and, and the opportunity that it has to a local individual versus foreigner. And yeah. when you talk about foreigners, you tend to not to go to a company that's local because of, of maybe many reasons. One, you cannot speak the local language. Yeah. Um, two, their business is more centered on domestic, so they don't work with, let's say, United States as much. So the English mm. is more limited. And then, of course, you have to look at is your position. It's more like it's like a it's a it's a pyramid. The higher the higher you up in the in the food chain, the more limited those numbers are, and the the higher you are, the more picky you are in many cases yeah. that you would want to work for a bigger company or a, a foreign company, and you're not looking for a local company, and the local company has different requirements than a a bigger foreign company. Absolutely, um, and also the language barrier. As much as the economy is booming, I'm pretty sure we cannot apply for most of the job because we don't speak the language. If you don't speak the yeah. local Chinese language and be able to speak it, um, that that segment of the business opportunity is really out for you. And then you have to look at is the type of job, right? Um, 
you know, there, if you're in a med, if some of the trailing spouse is in law or in medical, those licenses don't transfer. You can't yeah. come here and expect to be upon job or a teaching job unless you go reapply um, and make sure you get the uh, the right certifications. So yeah. So so it depends on the job uh, positions like like mine. Uh, I work in operations and manufacturing. I work, but I work for companies that are global because I'm American. I read and write in English. I don't read and write in Chinese. So yeah. I can't do certain jobs in China that I can do in U.S. I, you know, opportunity for operations can can vary in business um, widely. But in China, yeah. if you are in operations and you can only speak English. Then you're, you're you're limited within that segment as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, uh, I, I, interestingly, I was speaking to somebody the other day who said that if you're coming to China, you're better off uh, finding an opportunity while you're overseas and you come with it because once you're here, and then if the expectation is that once you're in China, you'll try and figure something out, the chances of that happening are very very unlikely. And I think you've already listed all the reasons why something like that would be difficult. It's difficult. Um, you have to understand that besides the work visa, um, the the job limitations is not as as readily available. Uh, but then you also have have the culture. Uh, yeah. Even if even if a local company would hot, like to hire a Western individual, sometimes mm -hmm. the culture uh, clashes or the way that you manage your management style of a business doesn't always chime together, doesn't mesh together very well. We have a Western style or a different style of, of leadership. And if you yeah. go to a large enough company who has the same type of background or leadership style or experience, it's going to be very difficult for you to, for you to really grasp that. Does that make sense? It's more challenging. Yeah. Not but you have another hurdle to, to, yeah. to go through. Tell me, do you think gender plays a role at all in terms uh, of opportunities in China? I think there is some of that. I think that it depends on the type of position and in the manufacturing or the manufacturing world that I am, I think that the higher the leadership roles are more limited. I think that's that's very common in most countries. Yeah. Uh, and I think in other segments, rather it's teaching or law or um, or even medical, maybe it's not so, but for mm -hmm. um, industries that are more male dominant, like in manufacturing worlds, then yes, I think that uh, the, the local culture for certain roles, they still prefer male. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, so um, you you did you you did mention that of course your career could have could have grown I guess uh, uh, far more had you remained in the U.S. Um, what I mean I'm sure that probably that brings up sort of a lot for you. How do you, how does that how does that manifest and then how do you manage it? Because I think in sort of like I think we've had conversations around 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 sort of um, these topics before, um, but it's interesting because everyone has a slightly different take on it. I mean, I think it bothered me more 
before than it does now. Um, I think I do believe that my opportunity would have been wider if I was back home. Rather, whether that would have significantly changed uh, who I have become or what I have accomplished here in China, no one can really know for sure. But at least I yeah. do believe that the opportunity was would have been greater for me to achieve um, more than what I have today. Um, but as far as how did I balance that and why do we still stay? Overall, as a family, the decision has worked out well for us as a family. Yeah. When you look at expat assignments, it is it is it can't look at it as an individual um, accomplishment. You have to look at it from a holistic standpoint. Yeah. In, in our family, my husband's career has done well because of this move. Uh, mm -hmm. We both have gained cultural experience, no doubt, uh, that yeah. we didn't have in the, in the U.S. Going to another country, um, family-wide, professionally and personally, mm -hmm. Going to another country, exploring a different culture is definitely a plus. That's that's that was a huge for us. Coming to China, where my heritage began, but never explored it, and would probably never have uh, indulged myself into understanding it more, or even have exposure to my kids to learn this language, may yeah. not have happened if we didn't come. So that was another plus on top of just going having a different culture. It's actually getting my children to understand the Asia, China culture of all cultures was, yeah. a, was also a huge benefit since ethnically I am Chinese, even though I grew up yeah. in the States. Uh, so that was huge. And now my children are both bilingual, uh, yeah. completely fluent in Mandarin, which I know they wow, that's amazing. Have been, yeah. never have been if we were not here. So, so you balance all that out overall for the family. It's, it's a plus. Yeah. You're going to have some pros and cons, but there were more pros and less cons. I would say, because, of course, you always look at yourself more than you look at others, I would say the con of this, this, this experience, I feel like I sacrifice more um, yeah. as far as my career development. Um, but other than that, everything else, I would say, for most part, was a plus. Uh, yeah. We, we also did have to sacrifice um, healthier air here in China. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were in, yeah. in the U.S. Now, that was a, I would say, a oversight on our part. We We were a little bit gullible when we moved, so we didn't look as in-depth about what this expat meant. Not to say it may have changed our decision. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't ask enough about the impact to us. So we didn't look into the weather or the pollution, um, look at the, um, the business opportunities or the career opportunities. We didn't look closely enough. Yeah. And we jumped head in first. We just, we dove right in and said, yeah. let's just go for it. And, and try something new. And we were fortunate that it, overall it worked out well. Um, yeah. We did have to sacrifice the comfort of home, the, the better air, um, yeah. along, along, with, along with that. But it's probably gotten a bit better over the years, hasn't it? Well, I'm, I'm assuming. COVID's definitely helped. Oh, 
Um, but in the past few years, I remember um, some someone telling me that maybe five or six years ago, uh, not only did people have to wear sort of those N95 masks, but they also had to have like sort of like a shield. I think um, on the region. I think that's more in oh, right. northern area. It it wasn't. Ah, it wasn't as bad in in this 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 part of China ever. I think that China over the course of the last few years has put put more emphasis on pollution yeah. and um, and for greener initiatives. So I think they are working towards that. Uh, the pollution seemed to be better. I definitely yeah. is better this year, but I yeah, think well, to do with COVID more than anything else. Absolutely. No, no, no. I think globally it's got a lot to do with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm not going to give China too much credit for that for this year, but, <laughs> but they are working on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. No, that, definitely. Definitely. So, do you know this other thing that I've always felt here and I've had um, sort of people not not complain about it, but sort of like make an observation that I feel that um, the community here, the international community in particular, is very much geared towards um, families or households where there's one parent or uh, one partner who's at home and the other one works. Um, like with schools, I guess the way sort of socialization works as well. Have you have you felt that that's been that's been the case? Um, I think that I, I do know some parents work. Um, some both some family where both parents work. I think that I and I have met where. That family, if their both parents are super social and super involved, um, yeah, get, they do get around and they get they they get a, a wider, um, I would say, involvement of their social life, both in school, friends, because of there's such outgoing personality from both of them. Yeah, uh, for for most families, expats that I know, you're right. I think. Basic 80-20 rule is that 80% has one stay-at-home parent. Some yeah. has been fathers, but majority has been mothers. For yes. people like me, who our family both work, and I am the working mother where most of the mothers I know don't work, it has, yeah. it has created social challenges for me. Not to anyone's fault, of course. It's more, it's because one, um probably not as outgoing if I if you don't know me as maybe some people are very overly very social um, yeah. kind of uh, proactively gets involved in going out to party or finding friends to do stuff or yeah. out there I tend to not be like that I'm a more of a more intimate small group kind mm -hmm. of kind of a gal um, yeah so so that does create more challenges. For the first five years, when I was living in China, I almost didn't social at all. If it wasn't for really? a neighbor who we got along talking inside the complex, small complex, uh, who they were socializing, do things, was kind enough to think about me without on her own to say, hey, yeah. would you like to come? I. I probably wouldn't have seeked him out myself. And it was because of this one lady uh, who is still a friend of mine today who said, yeah. we're going out. Would you like to come? And and was kind enough to be considering of knowing that I work to involve me in what they were doing made a huge mm -hmm. difference. Made a huge difference. Oh, yeah. um, so, so then, of course, you know, a lot of parents, uh, maybe even yourself, uh, 
are more involved in children's activities at school or have more time to participate and in school or even taking the bus on taking the younger ones to the school bus and pick them up for the first yeah. five, first six years of my children's uh stay in china and they were really young back then i was also yeah. miss, missing and their life uh doing that in the u.s it probably would have been normal kids got on the bus the mother went to work uh the kids yeah home the mother came home after work, for example. Yeah. When the children are young, they have the extra attention of the one parent that stay home that walk them to the bus, pick them from the bus. Yeah. Uh, maybe even at times drop them lunch off at school. Uh, yeah. When school activities more, open houses, uh, school events and play during mm. the day. Um, Unfortunately, I did miss most of that for the first six years, and I did feel bad. I felt bad because the other mothers who didn't work was able to do that for their children, and I wasn't. So there was part, there was a guilt there for that. Yeah, and but but that would have been the case had you been sort of in the U.S. Or do you think that because that sort of society is more geared towards both parents working, that there's maybe more flexibility or greater allowance? I would say that because in where I was living, most parents are dual income and worked. Yeah. A lot of the parents, children would have been, I would, my children would have been in similar situations. As yeah. As children. The families will be much more similar. But here, hmm. uh, my, my case would be more of a unique case, not a norm. Yeah, yeah. But in the U.S., it would have been more of a norm, not a unique case. And that's yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. No, I've actually, while I don't work, but I feel that I think the school has quite a lot of expectation in terms of making the assumption that there will be one parent who will be at home. Right. Um, majority of the cases is the mother um, that uh, she will have quite a lot of time to sort of um, volunteer at the school mm-hmm. and support the school for for a number of things, which is. If right. someone is willing and ha- has the time, that's that's great. But um, a friend of mine from um, I think I think two years ago, they only uh, sadly spent a year in Suzhou. Uh, she worked and her partner was a stay-at-home parent. But her constant complaint with the school was um, that they constantly kept approaching her, and she would always say, "This is my partner's contact. Please reach out to him. I work full time. I'm not able to as much as I'd like to. I'm, I, I would not be able to sort of contribute, participate, or whatever." And they rarely ever contacted her partner, although who was who had the time and I think to some extent was willing. Um, but they completely blanked out the fact that a father could actually also equally right. um, expecting women to do the yeah. child rearing still here. So yeah, 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 which was which is unfortunate considering I mean the day and time we live in. But um, I think that's just sort of like I, I, I felt that that's uh, that's just that's just something that happens. I mean, uh, with myself, my husband works at the same school. He's like a stone's throw away. But if there's anything ever, they always contact me, which is fine because he might be in class. But um, yeah, I, I, I do find that that the school has that sort of more traditional expectation of, of mothers. Um, um, but then. I guess the other thing I'd want to know is in terms of your um, because a lot of a lot of um, like um, I'll talk about myself that when I sort of uh, came out here knowing that I wouldn't be working, I thought maybe this would be an opportunity to take a little bit of a break and explore my interests and 
um, see what people do during the day and maybe, I don't know, read more, that sort of thing. But um, which, you know, sort of like the, the, the impression people have that you live sort of um, uh, like living the expat life as such. Do you feel that because you were working, you your sort of global living experience was a bit compromised in that way? Um, I, I guess yes and no. Um, I did take one year off between jobs. So when my contract ended after six years at the company I came I came here with and for my husband, uh, I did take a year off. During that yeah. time, the, year, the reason I took a year off is as my contract ended, I didn't have another job lined up just yet. Yes. So it, and it took me a year to find another job. And yeah. it wasn't easy for, for many reasons. It's because of my guilt about my children not having me around as much as some ex, some other families for the mother or father, whichever doesn't have to be the mother, was around yeah. because it didn't work. Um, I made a decision that to the best of my ability, I would find a job that was closer to home and closer to the school. And mm-hmm. that, that's what I also meant when I said that the decision and sacrifice we, we make today, including myself, it, it compromised our career development because I'm not yeah. willing to travel as much because of the situa- that situation. I want to be there for my children because most of the parents are more there and I don't want them to feel like maybe they're their their mother or their family is not because that's the that's the expat or the the situation we put them in yeah so because of that my choice was to find a job much more closer to home than my first job allowing me to put them on the bus and then go to work and still make it to work on time Uh, yeah get back home an hour or so before you know after they get home versus two three hours closer to the yeah. time before. So these mm. sacrifices did limit my search for a job and my op- op- to our opportunity as well. But that year that I was off, I did have the opportunity to be a Tai Tai, mm-hmm. you know, to be the, the, the non-working mother and experience the, the benefits of that, benefits that I was somewhat jealous of by being, by being the working, by always working. Yeah, but after exploring it for a year, uh, my preference was to actually go back to work. Go back to work, yeah. I think that you always think the pasture is greener on the other side. You're yeah. in what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Ideally, in an environment like this, um, if I can work three or four days a week versus the five or seven that I do now in the evenings, it would be ideal. But yeah, just jobs are even harder to find. Oh yeah, 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 I'm sure. Just a job in yeah. itself. Uh, but but choosing to stay home versus uh, going back out into the workforce, my decision was to go back out into the workforce. Yeah, I, I did experience some of some of those uh, posh lifestyles of not having to work. Um, I, I I'm thankful for that. Because I got the opportunity to know where to shop, know what some people do, um, yeah. explore and do some of the local activities that a lot of the the, the non-working spouse uh, has been able to enjoy. Mm-hmm. I do that, um, and I so 
I finally got to experience that. And it, one year was enough for me. You felt it wasn't for you. You needed to go back to work. Yes. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, completely understandable. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at it, um, our children go to school from 7 o'clock and 7.30 in the morning. They get home about yeah. 4.30. Yeah. If I find a, a job that is close enough, I'm, I leave behind them. I'm an hour to an hour and a half home after them. Uh, with the exception of not being as flexible, being in the school and volunteering, um, yeah. I'm there for my children for most of the time when they come home. Uh, also, so I didn't feel that sacrificing my career mm -hmm. uh, during the time my kids are at school was the best use of of what I have to offer. Yeah, yeah, no, that 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 makes complete sense. Um, uh, I've from sort of speaking to locals here, professional women, I sort of had the impression that there is uh, that it's quite common for women to work quite flexibly. Um, um, someone I know from school, she volunteered at the school quite a lot, and I knew that she sort of had a day job. So I, I sort of, I, I would often ask her, how does this work, that you're sort of here during the day, but you, yet you have a day job? And she said, oh, well, I can work quite flexibly. Um, so I think I had that impression, but perhaps that is not extended to foreigners as much as it would be to locals? I think it's not extended to most. I think those are ah, right. exceptions, not the norm. Ah, right. So it's not quite common for people. So, no. so there is a very standard sort of nine yeah. to five or whatever. Yeah, because uh, uh, I, the ladies that I work in this company are basic nine to fives or A30 to fives. And yeah. they don't have that flexibility. Uh, I think that those jobs are doctors, consultants, who the doctors are have different hours because the, yeah. the, the office hours may be longer throughout the day. So there's mm -hmm. different shifts. Uh, sure. Consultants, um, salespeople, careers, maybe has that more flexibility. But for, uh, the, for the most part, I would say that's not the case. I think the, the, oh, right. the, the flexibility is similar to the U.S. It all highly depends on the type of job you have. But right. But I think that if it's a office job like here, it's the same office job like in the U.S. Ah, uh, right. I'm 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 not very familiar with how sort of flexible working works in the U.S. either. Um, is is it quite common for people to work quite flexibly, like sort of no, like I don't know, work not, from home, no, home it's not flexible. working? Like I said, no, it all really. Depends on depends on your job profession for the most part. Ah. Uh. Right. Because I, I know in the UK that and especially I think now after after COVID, I think it's become quite evident that lots of jobs can be done remotely. That uh, is a new circumstance. That's new. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that, absolutely. A, yeah. It's not what was before. And it's not it's not what it is in China, because China is uh, I wouldn't say COVID free, but it's under control. And yeah. for the most part, it's back to business as usual. So it's not in the same position as U.S. or the rest yeah. of the world about working from home anymore. Yeah, right. Ah, so I think the other thing I wanted to sort of ask, which I think you've touched upon a little bit, is um, do you feel that being sort of um, um, sort of a, as a working partner, do you feel quite disengaged with the community or do you think like you have to make sort of like an extra effort because you don't have um, that much time? And obviously the time you have, you prefer to spend with your family. Um, does that make you feel a little bit isolated from the community? 
yes, it does. And it makes me, I, I realize that it is a choice I made. Um, if I'm fortunate enough that if I really don't want to work, um, I can, I guess. Uh, but it's a choice I made to work. And yeah. being this this environment that I am now, if I want to have a more well-rounded life, both career and personally, I do have to make more of an effort myself uh, mm-hmm. to put myself out there to ask if people want to go out to eat or see what they're doing. Because the a lot of the expats that we do socialize with, um, majority of them don't work or has one spouse that doesn't work that tends to be mm. the woman in this case. Yeah. They've already formed a lot of their friendship and, and cliques. And, yeah. And for someone like me who doesn't work to try to be part of that, it is much more difficult. It's either either you are or you aren't, and you're, you're, you're not available most of the time to participate with them. So the, it's not that they intentionally want to leave you out. It mm. is just become a norm for them when they talk. That's the group they talk to because they've developed a, a deeper relationship with each other over time. When they yeah. do things, they've always done things together because they're available to do that. They're available, yeah. So you become more of an out of sight, out of mind, not because people are trying to be mean or anything. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no, I can, I can understand. I mean, having sort of worked, well, having worked most of my adult life and not working here, I, uh, I have to say that uh, I'm probably guilty of when I think uh, from my child's class, when like uh, couples who both work have uh, put forward something or complained about something about sort of the hours or pickups or drop-offs, I've been like, Ugh these people and which is a bit unfair because perhaps in the past I would have been one of those people and I would have been equally sort of um, upset if there were unfair pickup times or school hours or whatever it was but I think you um, people adapt quite quickly to changes yeah and the people that work because they become the exception they tend to be kind of forgotten a little bit you know um, yeah, sadly, yeah. It, it, it's but it, it it's, it's sadly the fact, and yeah. Um, it, it, but people like us depend on the few friends that we do have to keep us involved. Um, yeah, no, no, absolutely, yeah. And uh, you know, as much as a lot of my close friends have left, it, to to have to make new friends or to have friends here and develop a. Mm-hmm group of friends that you can socialize with, hang out with, and also include you on certain activities, just to so that you also are included in some 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 uh, social aspect of the expat uh, community with the wives. But you have to know a few of them that you can that would do that for you. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. Um, a lot of the social events are arranged and a lot of the friend, families get together and become good friends based on my experience of what I've seen has contributed to the spouse that didn't work. It was a spouse that didn't work that developed the, the overall friendship or the group setting to get the spouse, yeah. to get the spouse and the family involved to do things, 
to have barbecues, to to go on short trips and all that. Mm-hmm. It took it was it, most of the cases it was the spouse that didn't work that developed a social network with other families and yeah. they took the family along with her to do things to develop that social social setting. Um, mm. When you have two working spouses and they're both a little bit quiet or they're not out there, then then it becomes much more difficult. Yeah. Do you do you think um, that because 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 you mentioned that you sort of have um, uh, like a he- you had a heritage connection with China and perhaps that drew you um, to this country, but um, would you would you want to sort of say if you moved on to another country, uh, perhaps a non English speaking country, would you want to sort of continue to work or like at least make the effort to work, or do you think you'd want to maybe give yourself some time? Um, I think that would t- depend on when that move is going to be. If it's the move, you know, within the next few couple years or few years, I would yeah, I would say yes. Um, if it's if it's at my retirement age, then I would say no. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that um, based on what I have to offer and over the next next foreseeable year, I, I would like to work. Even if I'm not working, I would want to do volunteer work that's that's extremely meaningful. Yeah. Uh, the last company I worked for, I was a I had the privilege of starting up a, a charity organization within the company involving all the employees to contribute to children's heart surgery, as well oh, as getting wow. clothing donation, even money donation to help out uh, families that are in poverty level, local to Suzhou, to, to help help bring awareness to what's going on, to, to bring, to show the people that you have a lot more than most and to give a little back is it's mm. a great thing. That, that giving back piece, uh, it's not, not common here in, I would say, in the local community. There's such yeah. a there's such a, a taboo, uh, such a distrust of charities because they yeah there is been honest in the past even you know China's uh, for example similar or even uh, similar to a Red Cross has not been as trustworthy in the past it has left distrust among the the local communities but I was able to do that for the last company and if I was to not work. I would like to spend more time in doing something more like that uh, versus uh, volunteering at school. Not that that's not important. Yeah. Um, I think volunteer at school is great, but the type of impact I would like to volunteer for is impact to the life of those in poverty um, if I can. And so if I wasn't working, I would like to do more related in that segment um, when you talk about volunteer work. Yeah. Do you know, that's really interesting. You've mentioned that. And I often find that, like, uh, maybe if I speak for myself, that um, where 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 we live in Sujo, I think you live in a little bit of a in a little bit of a bubble where like the streets are pristine. Everything is is clean. It's beautiful. And you don't you don't see um, you don't see poverty as such here. But obviously, that's not to say that that doesn't exist in China. And I think because of that, somehow you feel like. Well, if if you're living in this environment, perhaps everyone is, and I'm, and I'm obviously that's that's not the case in China at all. 
Um, and and as you said, I mean, I think the opportunities because because there's so limited um, uh, opportunities to do volunteer work with uh, meaningful charities. I find that you that that then you make the assumption that perhaps there isn't a need. But I think because it's it's very very difficult in China to actually uh, find charities that are able to work freely and then that would be willing to involve foreigners because perhaps the scrutiny on them is far more if foreigners get involved. It's it's very difficult if anyone would wants to. I mean, in in my experience. Right, and, I, and the charity work we were doing last company wasn't, you know, a big uh, charity organization like that. It was more of a company community work. You know, it's almost ah, like right. this work. Um, we ourselves went out and uh, found uh, local schools, um, outskirt migrant schools for that cater yeah. to to children that didn't have local Suzo Huko residents. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. couldn't go to the general school here. They had to go to, you know, school that's a little bit for those type of kids. Um, yeah. It to be, I would say, of a lesser ranked school. Um, yeah. So, and then, so we ourselves, we didn't, we didn't go find a Red Cross or anything. We just said, we want help. So we contacted. All right, so you took the initiative, yeah. We contacted places and said, you know, we asked the school for help and says, uh, do you have kids that seem to not be able to pay for things? And the teachers will know. He goes, you know, these kids come in with ragged clothes. These kids yeah. come in and are are always hungry. Or they mm. would say, you know, we know that these kids are raised by the grandparents because the father is disabled or the parents passed away. You know, yeah. so we just get these cases and we try to do a little bit of help for these to make a difference in, in these children's lives. Even if it's just for a day, a smile for the day, or maybe for that school term. Yeah. And we are, and we see the impact because we are touched, we were directly touching that individual it wasn't like we yeah. gave the money to a charity and we have no idea where it went um and that was the way that our company and our our co-workers employees and friends needed to see in order to trust that what they were doing and what they were giving actually went somewhere and when they yeah. saw that they were much more willing to give a little more uh both in their time uh as well as the their money um, and their love overall, when they can see what they, what the impact they were making. So we were doing yeah. more. We didn't go to an organization. We we found families to help out. Wow. And do do you think more of more of this sort of thing would actually encourage people to get involved? Yes, I think it would. I think that you have to take baby steps. I think that there's such distrust that you've got to you've got to show people what the impact is it's got to be more of a hands-on until you you have a big enough organization or trustworthy organization that could do grander things but i think that in an environment like this or an expat community where our reach is so local you've got yeah. to look at smaller take smaller bites of things and you have to look at what you can mm. help more directly um near you versus trying to find bigger organizations 
um, and more oh, right. digital yeah. channels, if you will. There are tons of people you can help. Um, you just have to be willing to look. Yeah. Jenny, this has been really, really interesting. I think I found out um, lots of new things about uh, Studio and about you. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. And, uh,